1: about if you arrived at your departure gate one minute after they closed the door on the plane? You wouldn't be taking that flight. One minute makes a lot of difference. You as a parent, would you take your eyes off of your preschooler for one full minute if you're walking through a crowded mall during the holiday season? No way, not if you're a reasonable and a good parent. Perhaps you've experienced that deal of being delayed as you got out of your house, maybe by just a minute, only to find out that a little bit later, once you got in the car and drove down the road, that an accident happened just moments before you got there. A minute can make a world of difference.
0: Do you feel conflicted with time frames, schedules, being late? Today's message reflects on the importance of time. Pastor David will teach the prophecies in the book of Daniel that set a timeline for the coming of the Messiah. God had the entire plan laid out. He's never late. He's never in a hurry, and He operates everything in the perfect time. You may feel that He's late sometimes, or you just wish He wasn't taking so long, but you'll learn today that God doesn't only do the right thing, He does it in the right time. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Galatians chapter 4 with today's edition of The Open Word.
1: Song was written and sung by a fellow by the name of Robert Lamb. He was uh, the lead singer of a group by the name of anybody know yet? Chicago. I hear somebody say Chicago? Good job, Bob. Lead singer for the group uh, Chicago. The the song that I'm speaking of actually came out in uh, 1970. It it hit the top charts, the top 10 in 1970 as a single. It found even greater acclaim actually in Canada. Oh, Canada. It, It really hung in there for quite a while there. The words to the song might be familiar to some of you, particularly if you grew up kind of in the time frame that I did. As I was walking down the street one day, A man came up to me and asked me what the time was that was on my watch. And I said, does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? If so, I can't imagine why we've all got time enough to cry. That same chorus went on through, and the last time he goes through that chorus, he actually ends it up with saying, we've all got time enough to die. A Rather morbid look at the uh, last time, but... As I've shared with you, I'm kind of uh, obsessed with clocks or with time. Every room in our house has a clock. Why I have that, I do not know. It's not that I'm like so focused or worried about wasting time. I can waste time with the best of you. But uh, I just want to know what time it is. Uh, It's like in the middle of the night when I wake up. I want to know, wow, what time? Wow, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Go back to sleep, you dummy. That's just the way I am. And, of course, I have a cell phone uh, with me so that I know what time it is in case... I can't see any of the clocks, okay? So it's always there. For those of you that are retired, some say that, that clocks don't matter much anymore. However, I've also talked to others that said, no, I am, I'm still concerned about time because I'm busier now than I even was with, during my working life. I've just got so many things going. I need to schedule everything. So rather you've fallen on that side of the subject or either you don't really keep track of time at all and thus you're late for everything or you're nearly or you just simply you're, you're cognizant of the time you you know what's going on really for each one of us time lasts exactly the same man i had a really short day the other day no that just meant that you know you were busy during the day man yesterday seemed to last forever but it was still 24 hours 60 seconds in every one of those hours You currently have, at best calculations, 19 hours. What did I do? What did I say? 60 minutes in an hour. What did you guys hear? Okay. If you guys don't listen right, you're going to get it wrong, okay? 24 hours, 60 minutes in an hour, 60 seconds in a minute. Okay, I knew that. I was just testing you. So in the midst of all of that, we all have the same. So with that thought in mind, I wanna take up just a minute of your time. Time's up. Time's up. Time's up. Stop it. Stop it. There we go. A minute seems like a really long time, doesn't it? But we all know it's not. A minute can pass by in, uh, in a flash. Do you realize the importance of just one minute? Well, can you imagine if they add, for all you sports fanatics, if at a, at a particular very tight game, whether it be football or basketball, professional basketball or football, right at the end of the game, have you know, tied score or very close, they ran the game clock back one minute, gave one more minute. That might mean the difference of, of winning or losing for a particular team very easily. What about if you arrived at your departure gate one minute after they closed the door on the plane? you wouldn't be taking that flight. One minute makes a lot of difference. You as a parent, would you take your eyes off of your preschooler for one full minute if you're walking through a crowded mall during the holiday season? No way, not if you're a reasonable and a good parent. Perhaps you've experienced that deal of being delayed as you got out of your house maybe by just a minute only to find out that a little bit later once you got in the car and drove down the road, that an accident happened just moments before you got there a minute can make a world of difference when a loved one dies unexpectedly how many of us wouldn't want to have at least one more minute to tell them how much we love them the athlete in a race once that starting gun goes off he doesn't want to pause for a minute. He wants to be right there. As a matter of fact, that pause of a minute could well lose him the race. And what teenager or, once again, a mother of a preschooler hasn't begged for just one more minute of sleep? Probably each one of us, we, we've heard that uh, saying that says, you got here just in time. Or maybe if you're one of those that don't care about the time, You've heard that saying that says, oh, man, you're just a minute too late. We just gave the last one away, so you've lost out. Well, with all this talk about time, one thing that we can be assured of, God is always on time. And he's never in a hurry. And he's never late. Oh, to us, we want the answer yesterday, right? Right? But God has a perfect plan and a perfect time. He's seldom early. I found that out in my years as a believer. He's seldom early. But he's always right on time. If you got your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians. Chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And I'll go ahead and start at the beginning, though the first couple of verses aren't really where we're going, but uh, just to put it in the context of what Paul is writing here. In Galatians chapter four, verse one, Paul says, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. And even so we, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But verse four, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoptions as sons. You see, God had a plan and he had an exact appointed time of sending the Savior. It wasn't just halter skelters like, uh, well, okay, we'll just do it now. No, it was a plan and a purpose that God had on down through creation. There was so much that had to be ready in order for the Son to come at just the right time in order to complete all that was necessary. And God had providentially set all of these things in place. He had set them in order. It was the time of the Roman Empire. You all know that, that Jesus came during the time of the reign of the Roman Empire. In in reference to the secular world, Jesus was born in the midst and, and during the time of that empire that ruled over actually the major portion of what was the known world at that point in time. In their desire to, to move supplies easily to all of their far-reaching outposts, the Romans had devised this road system. And their road system, again, not only helped move the their supplies, but it also helped to merchants and, and farmers to be able to get to market. It gave the common people an opportunity to to freely, easily, and safely move from one town to another. Uh, And again, all through that, it was also the opportunity to be able to exchange news and and information between the different regions because of the Roman road system. The first time in history of mankind there was a well-constructed road system that allowed cities to be connected. and, And at that point in time, it did seem that all roads led to Rome because they had built so much and had put it in in such a way. Later on, we find out that these very roads that Rome had built for their own use were great great, great roads to be able to transfer the gospel because again, as they went out on their gospel mission, Rome built the roads for them to travel on. What an awesome thought that is. Jesus came also during what would be considered really a a time of peace. There were no major wars going on at the time of Jesus' birth. It was a widespread, moderate peace called the, the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. The laws of Rome and the sword of Rome protected the rights of the Roman citizen, and it maintained relative safety, pretty much peace throughout the empire. So again, these citizens could travel these roads. Oh, certainly there were marauders and there were thieves, but again, for the most part, it was safe, it was well-controlled, Rome kept the peace that way. It was also, Jesus was born during a time of a common language for the people. It was during the same time uh, again the, that that he was born. There was the the language that was pretty well known throughout that world prior to the Roman conquest. The Greeks had brought, had full power and influence over all of that region, and the Greeks brought with them the Greek language and those that they conquered. Again, they in infiltrated the Greek language on those people. And now with the Romans in charge, there was also Latin. When the Romans came, they didn't do away with the Greek language. As a matter of fact, they, they, brought the, they allowed the Greek stay in. They also brought in the Latin with it. And so it wasn't uncommon for the people all throughout the Roman Empire, not only to know Greek and to know Latin, but also to know their own local dialects, their own local languages. In many cases, you know, most, even, even the common people, knew at least two or three languages. The birth of Jesus came in just the right time, and it came in just the right place. As the word says here, when the fullness of time had come. You see, God had a plan that he had thought out very well. He had designed this and purposed this for years and years, some 600 years prior to the birth of Jesus. The people of what was known as the Southern Kingdom, that was the the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, you know, from the dividing of the Northern and the Southern Kingdom of Israel. About 600 years prior to the birth of Jesus, the people of the Southern Kingdom were finally defeated by the Babylonians, 586 B.C., Well, beginning in uh, about 604 BC, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon actually started attacking the outskirts of the nation of the southern kingdom or the nation of Judah. And as he was, again, attacking these outposts and these uh, outside cities away from Jerusalem, he was taking captives with him. And he was taking not, not just the, the, the common people, no, he would look for the prime people within the citizenry. That's how we ended up with Daniel going to Babylon early on during the captivity. And he remained captive there throughout that whole time. Now, during this time, if you remember the story of Daniel and all the events within Daniel's life, Daniel served in some pretty prominent positions there in the government of Babylon but not only in the government of Babylon because Babylon was only under control for a short while and near the end of that 70 years the Medes and the Persians which later became the Persian Empire they overwhelmed the Babylonians and now they're the superpower of the world and their leader is a guy by the name of Darius now in the midst of this Daniel is there He's serving under rulers of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar, then of the Medes and the Persians, Darius, and then the next guy, Cyrus. So according to chapter one of the book of Daniel, he and his three friends, the ones we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all three of those, the word tells us that these guys, they were 10 times better than all the magicians or the astrologers who were in the realm of Nebuchadnezzar. They were just more intelligent, more faithful, uh, more able to do what was set before them. God had gifted Daniel in such a way that those gifts were recognized by Nebuchadnezzar. As a matter of fact, in Daniel chapter two, we read that the king promoted Daniel and he gave him many great gifts and he made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Now, him now as the chief and and the ruler over all the wise men of Babylon, there's little doubt that Daniel would have introduced these wise men to the Hebrew scriptures. That's what these guys did. They read science books, they read religious books, they read all kinds of information from all the various cultures that they could. So no doubt, Daniel introduced to them the Hebrew scriptures. Now the Greek word magos is translated as wise men, the magi, translated as wise men in the New King James Version, the King James Version, the English Standard Version, while the New American Standard Version and the uh, NIV they used the word magi, M-A-G-I. Now originally, that word pretty much referred to a class of Persian wise men, possibly priests, but they were not kings. They were simply wise men or priests. So when we sing, we three kings, We're totally wrong song, okay? They're not three kings, and we're not even sure if there were three. We know that there was more than one, but we don't know anything else about that. But these guys were interpreters, particularly of signs and particularly in astronomy. They, They would see the stars, and they would try to interpret signs from that. So these wise men were also known to be experts, as I said, in all the religious writings of their day. They, they were used as counselors to the kings on matters of, of great importance to particular empires. And they were also known as king makers. So there was a time that uh, there was to be a king appointed Many times these wise men would go, these magi would go, and they they would test these kings for their, their abilities and for their intelligence, their wisdom, all of these things. They were king makers. Well, during the Babylonian exile or captivity... Tens of thousands of Jews lived in Babylon during that time, and they maintained a large presence there in Babylon all throughout the centuries. Not that many of them came back once they were released from captivity. They had made houses, they had started living, they lived up in that area, and they pretty well stayed there. They made it their home. And so after the Babylonians fell to the Persians, the Jews were still there and with their Jewish scriptures and their understanding. And so in those Jewish scriptures, there contained those multiple promises of the coming of Messiah. Now, as I had said earlier, even once the Persians came, Daniel stayed very influential with the government there, and uh, he he wrote in his book, in, in the book of Daniel, that a Messiah would come familiar with the passage in Daniel chapter 9 verse 24 through 26 where he says 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression to make an end of sins to make reconciliation for iniquity to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. So in other words, 69 weeks and 69 weeks of days comes out to be 490 years. Uh, The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. So in other words, Jerusalem is going to be rebuilt the streets, and and even the wall. And after 62 weeks, after 490 years, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come, which is another one separate from Messiah, the prince to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war, desolations are determined. Now, this isn't going to be a big study in the book of Daniel, but understand what he's saying here. Daniel is saying, he's prophesying that a decree will come about that will allow those of us who are in captivity to go back to Jerusalem, to rebuild the streets, to rebuild the walls, to rebuild the city itself. And 490 years later, Messiah will be there, but he'll be cut off at that point and at that time. But then also, that prince that will come, he's then going to come and destroy the city and the sanctuary. And we find, again, in the time frame of all things, it was after the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It was in 70 A.D., that Titus and the Roman legions came and once again wiped them out. Nebuchadnezzar had done it previously with the Babylonian uh, attack into Jerusalem and the temple destroyed it. They came, they rebuilt this temple. Then finally, 70 AD, Titus and the Roman legions came in, destroyed it again. And that's what he's speaking about. So he's putting a timeline there. He's throwing out the idea that from the time that a decree comes... That we can leave Babylonian captivity and go and rebuild our city and our nation. Four hundred and ninety years will take place, and we'll see Messiah, but he'll be cut off at that point in time. Yet to see here that God is setting a timetable in motion, a timetable to declare the time of the coming of Messiah.
0: We're so glad you took the time today to spend with us here on the open word. We also hope you find joy and peace this holiday season and that Jesus is in the forefront of your mind. Is there anything we can be praying about with you or any exciting things God's doing in your life that we can rejoice with you over? If so, please give us a call at 520 836 9676. That's 520 836 9676. We're honored to pray for our listeners. Would you like to hear more messages from this series?
1: Pastor David's here to tell you how that's possible. Hey, thanks, Chris. Not only can you find our Christmas messages, but all the messages that you've enjoyed and any that you've missed here on The Open Word, they're available on our website. Just visit theopenword.com and click on Teachings. You can scroll through the archive and listen online, or you can download the teachings to take with you on the go. I've even provided my notes if you'd like to read along. You might see something new your ears may have missed. Hey, feel free to share any of my teachings if you feel it would be a benefit to friend or family members. That website, one more time, is theopenword.com. I pray your Christmas season is filled with the presence of Jesus, allowing you to look forward to a wonderful new year in Christ.
0: We'd love to meet you in person. If you're in the area, come join us for our services at Calvary Casa Grande. We meet Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday You'll find all the information you need at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Join us next time to continue digging into the Word of God right here on The Open Word. Merry Christmas.